Ecclesiastes chapter 4, please. It's Calm Nitty part 2, you can go on to the second slide. This is community to go. Last week it was all about the importance of building relationships, the value of one another in this place, uh, more specifically in a small group setting, a Sunday school class. Uh, some of you have taken the get a room challenge um, to be a part of a small group, a home group, Sunday school class, uh, something over the next four weeks if you have not yet. You've heard it said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you haven't, you have now. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. How true do you think that is? If you have kids, it's probably more true than you think. That is an incredible statement. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. What, what that person, whoever it was, anonymous as far as I know, uh, the person that said that realized the significance, the importance, and even the danger of bad friends or good friends and, talked to, and, and understood the role that the people that we are the closest to in friendship, those relationships that we have forged can either be a tremendous advantage to us or they can be a real disadvantage. And you know, the Bible speaks a lot about that. The book of Proverbs, I'm going to share some verses with you this morning about the importance, the significance of having the right kind of people in your life. But I want to talk specifically out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Solomon is addressing uh, the importance of having other people in our life. And I told you last week that we were created for relationships. We were designed, it was placed into our DNA to want relationships. We are created as social beings. God created us so we could have a free will and we could choose to have a relationship with Him. He made it possible through the finished work of His Son Christ. But God wants a real, vibrant, ongoing, deepening relationship with us. But He didn't just create us to have a relationship with Him. He also created us to have a relationship with other people. And oftentimes they can be either good or bad. And I want to show you that Solomon, in all of his wisdom in Ecclesiastes, takes a few moments to deal with the issue of friendship, to deal with the issue of those people that we have in our life. And if you're familiar with the life of Solomon, he probably could have heeded his own warning a little better. The end of his life, he, he was definitely, uh, he was not devoid of wisdom, but it seems as though he was devoid of understanding. Uh, Solomon, the end of his life, um, was not considered to be the best in regards to some of the decisions that he made. But I want you to see in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, he says in verse 7, Then I returned and saw vanity under the sun, that there is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother. Yet there is no end to all his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with riches. But he never asks, for whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they will fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him 
Who is alone when he falls? For he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. It's one thing to have community in this place. It's one thing to look forward to your meeting with other believers on Sundays or Wednesdays or through the week in our home groups. It's one thing to be able to benefit from those relationships in here uh, during our normally regularly scheduled meetings. But it is a whole other thing to have somebody in your life that loves Jesus, that loves you, that you know you can call for anything at any time that you know has your back, someone that you know that it does not matter where you're going, what you're doing, or what you're facing, that person is going to be a help. Now, I'm not just speaking in terms of uh, friendship, that if we need someone to help us change our tire or, or remove a filter on our truck, and we can call them, or, or if you're a lady and you need... I'm not going to go there. Uh, I'm going to leave that to the ladies. But I'm not just talking about a friend who helps in worldly things. I'm not just talking about that friend that helps us get through this life. I'm talking about that friend that is a strong, solid Christian that wants at their core to see us excel in walking with Christ. One that truly understands the dangers. One that is spiritually wise that is a great discerner, and one that we know when we need spiritual advice, we can call on. I want you to see several things. that There are four areas that that, um, Solomon recognizes that we need friends, and that first one was found in verse 9. He says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two are better than one Because they have a good reward for their labor. He started out that text in verses 7 and 8 speaking about the one man who was out toiling all by himself. And now what Solomon is saying is just simple common sense. What he's saying is that if you have two people working together in the field, they are obviously going to be able to accomplish twice as much as one person. The, the, the reward for what they're doing, the, the effort expended, is ultimately going to produce twice the amount of outcome as it would with one person. Think about that. In Solomon's day, the, the, the majority of the work that was done that he's speaking of, the toil, would have been done in a field. It was an agrarian lifestyle. And if you think about it, the Bible really speaks in, in, in agrarian terms. Jesus was using many agrarian terms to describe the work of the gospel. He referred to the word of God as a seed. He referred to our hearts as soil in one parable. He referred to the dangers that can affect us in life as weeds and thistles and thorns. Jesus was talking about plowing and sowing seed. If you think about it as believers, what a a joy it is to know that when I choose to make Christ the Lord of my life, I don't just live for Him in these few moments that we have together weekly. I want to live for Him in my day-to-day experiences. I want to live for Christ in my job. I want to live for Christ in my home. I want to make decisions that honor God and glorify God. 
I want to look for the lost on my street corner. I want, to, I want to do what God wants me to do, not just in the confines of these four walls, but out in life. I want to sow the seed of the Word of God. I want to pray for the lost. I want to reach out and lift up those who are downcast and fallen. That's who we are to be in life. We often get it all mixed up. We often think that our Christian life is a TV dinner and that we have the Christian section over here and then we've got our work section, professional, and then we've got our, our uh, you know, enjoyment, uh, then we've got our family, and we've got all these different sections in our life of which Christ is one of the sections. The reality of the matter is He's never been, been, been one of just the sections. That's never been His desire. Rather than a TV dinner, what God wants from us is a casserole. He wants Jesus to affect and influence every part of our life, both pleasure, professional, home, it doesn't matter. So in the real world, where you and I live, where you and I work, where you and I sleep, we ought to consider the will of God, the cause of Christ in those arenas. And, important, and very importantly, we need people around us that labor with us. We need a friend, literally, number one, we need a friend in the field. When you and I are serving God, when you and I are doing our best to be ambassadors for Christ and, and lights for His kingdom and souls to the world, we need help. It's hard out there, friends. I don't know if you've recognized this or not, but it's a challenge living as a light in a dark world. Nobody else but me is th thinks like that? Is anybody else challenged about living as a light in a dark world? It's hard. We need a friend, not just because the reward of our toil will be better. Oh, those co-labors that serve alongside you, that minister with you, that prayer walk your, your block, that that help you serve their source of encouragement man i'll tell you what it's it's tough sometimes when you're out working by yourself the dirt at the bottom of the pile is always a lot heavier than the dirt at the top have you ever noticed that but oftentimes when you've got someone there working alongside of you even their presence is a source of encouragement in the gospel of mark chapter 6 jesus followed this method jesus actually put this method to work he sent his disciples out. He empowered them and sent them out with a message to a very specific group of people. But he sent them out two by two. Of the six disciples, or the 12 disciples at that time, there were six pairs. And he sent them out so everybody was paired up so that that relationship could bond, so that they could be accountable in their journey, and so that they could work together and all ultimately be able to, to produce twice the reward or try twice the harvest that they could if they were working by themselves. We need friends in the field. We need that Christian friend that is able to stand with us and work with us shoulder to shoulder to encourage, to keep us accountable, to walk with us, to help us do the heavy lifting that we couldn't do by ourselves. I want you to see the second one that Solomon says in verse 10, For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. If they fall, one will lift up his companion. We don't just need a friend in the field. We need a friend on the journey. Life is a journey, friends. Our, our Christian existence is a journey. 
We're called to live by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. The journey of faith in Christ is, is exciting. It can be fresh every moment, but it also can be dangerous. The Bible speaks that in our journey and our path that we walk in life, depending on what path we choose, either the right or the wrong, that the wrong can lead us ultimately to ruin, that the wrong, there are pitfalls and snares because we have an enemy that wants to tear us down, to steal, kill, and destroy. And I love it that initially when I first read over that, I thought, okay, I get it. What Solomon is saying is we need a friend because when we fall, that friend will be able to help us up. And many of you are familiar with the topography and the geology of that area. You know that it was very uneven. It was mountainous. It was incredibly rocky. So taking a step, going on a journey, you were never guaranteed a solid, sure next step. You could slip and fall easily in the rocks and the caverns on all of the, the, the uncertainties of the road that lied in front of you. And what Solomon is saying is if he falls, it's not just you have a journey mate there to be able to pick you up physically. It's not just that in this journey of faith, when we yield to temptation, when we allow our flesh to take over, when we make a wrong decision, when we choose to do something that is against God's word, and we fall, and we hurt ourselves, we skin our knees spiritually, or break our arms spiritually, we have a friend there who is able to pick us up so it doesn't get worse then it should. So it doesn't fester and get infected. You know, oftentimes, friends, we can look back on those moments. And I don't know all of your spiritual journeys, but I know there are moments probably in every one of our spiritual journeys where we went through a season where we struggled spiritually. I don't know how many times I've heard testimonies from many of you in the church, and you would always describe a season. Maybe it was in college. Maybe it was in high school. Maybe for some of you it was when your, your folks split up or, or maybe it was when your, your mom got sick or, or maybe it was just when you moved to a new town and made new friends and you struggled. You knew during that time you weren't making decisions that honored God. You knew you weren't living for the Lord and you, found, and you knew every step you were taking down that wrong road, you knew all along it was the wrong road. And oftentimes I've had people sharing those stories with me with tears in their eyes because of the pain, because of the scars, because of the issues that that caused them that moment that they did not have someone in their life who was there to help pick them back up, dust them off, mend their wound, and get them back on the path that they needed to be on. Friends, you have not just, we don't just have a need to have, to have people like that in our lives. We need to be those people for other believers as well. I want you to see this third thing. Oh, by the way, on the if one falls, that friend that's with you may not just help pick you up and clean you off and bandage your wound and bring you back to where you need to be. They may be able to say, hey, stop, look right there. Don't step right there. That friend, if he is a good friend, may be able to see what is up ahead and help prevent you from even taking the fall in the first place. Notice this third one. This is a fun one. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm 
alone. Obviously, he's speaking about two people keeping warm from the body heat contained among them. I'll tell you what, if I didn't have your attention before, I do now. Anytime the pastor mentions body heat, it's all eyes up. It's head up. Two lying down and body heat. Everybody's attentive now all of a sudden. Everybody's just ready with their notes, ready to go. Is Solomon talking about two friends just chilling in a courtyard, decide they're going to go to sleep? And you know what? It gets a little cool that night. One of them's like, oh, that's cool. Let's just lay together. Let's just cuddle up. Look at what he's been talking about in this short series of verses. He spoke about two men out in a field working together because the harvest is greater then. He's speaking about two friends going down a path together so that one can keep his friend from falling and if he falls, he's there to lift him back up. That's pretty serious. Woe to him who doesn't have a friend. That's serious. The last one is talking about a friend who wants to, or somebody who wants to come and overtake you. So he's talking about working in a field. And then he's talking about the dangers of walking down a path alone and the dangers that that can come when you fall. And he's talking about a friend who wants to overtake you for the purpose ultimately of killing you. I can't think that Solomon is saying you need a friend to snuggle with. I don't think that's what Solomon is saying. Why would he talk about the importance of harvesting food? Why would he talk about the importance of of your life, of walking down a dangerous path with somebody else, and then say, there's a man coming to kill you, you need a friend, and then in the middle, right in the meat of that sandwich, say, you need to snuggle with a friend. Guys, Solomon's not talking about snuggling. He's talking about survival. This isn't two guys just laying out in the courtyard, relaxing, falling asleep, and then happening to, happening to come together. Jeremiah and I are great friends. He's going to hate it that I say this. He may already hate it that I just told you all that we're great friends. We hunt, we fish together, we have a great time. And I was talking to him, we were going fishing this weekend, and I was talking with him, and I said, you know, can you imagine if you and I were driving along one winter, and all of a sudden my truck went off the road, and we were stranded in the middle of a blizzard, a snowstorm. Would you snuggle with me? Would you, would you let me spoon you just for the purpose of keeping warm? Of keeping warm. Now let me tell you, guys, it would have to be insanely frigid. There would have to be no other option. He's my best friend. There would have to be no other option in the world. And I would still do it reluctantly. Guys. That's what Solomon is talking about. Being out in the world, getting caught, and your life depends on someone coming and helping you. That's what Solomon is talking about. Having that friend that is willing to put themselves in an awkward, uncomfortable position. Having that friend that is willing to do what it takes to help you out. That is exactly what Solomon is talking about. Friends, we don't just need a friend in the field. We don't just need a friend on the journey. We need a friend in our business. That's what Solomon is communicating. We need a friend that even though that's awkward and uncomfortable, 
He's willing to do it. You know what, guys? How many of us, how many of us, during that dry spiritual spell in our life, how many of us would have benefited had one of our good friends come up to us and said, you know, I hate to tell you this. I struggle with this. To hear their voice quivering, to see their hands shaking and sitting down at the table, sitting down at the game, sitting down across from you at Taco Bell or in your car, sitting down and say, you know what? You need to stop this. To say, you know what? I know what's going on in your life. And this is only going to be disastrous. We need that person that is willing, out of love for us, to put themselves in an awkward position to do what we need to do many of your tears many of my scars could have been avoided had i had that person that was a real friend not one that would encourage me in doing the wrong thing not one that would just say what I wanted to hear. Not one that was just a yes man to me in my life, but one that with quaking voice and shaking hands and nervousness over the conversation would look at me and say, Brother, this is not what you need to be doing based off of the truth of God's Word. Somebody that loved me enough to put themselves in an awkward position. Someone that loved me enough to risk their relationship with me to make sure I could come through that spiritually cold moment and survive. We may be short on those type of people. Risks awkwardness. Does what needs to be done even if it's uncomfortable. And the fourth one, verse 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. The New Testament is filled with militant terms describing our walk with Christ. We are soldiers for Christ's sake, enlisted by him. We are called to put on the whole armor of God. It is described oftentimes with the church is even described as a defensive wall of truth. The Bible describes that Satan is our enemy. There's no doubt in our Christian life we're going to face battles. Spiritual battles, attacks from the enemy, attacks from our flesh and attacks from other people. They will come at us from every direction. And friends, we need a friend. We need community on the go. We need those people that when we pick up the phone, all we have to say is, I am in a battle. And in a moment, in a moment, they're knocking on your door. In a moment, they are hitting their knees and knocking on heaven's door. We need 
those friends that when they know we're going through battle, we know they've got our sakes. They are right behind us, supporting us, fighting with us, encouraging us. I think the challenge comes when we realize that a friend is needed in the field, a friend is needed on our journey, a friend is needed in our business, and a friend is needed in our fight. And if you think about it as I'm sharing these needs with you in Scripture, some of you may say, oh, well, I don't know that I really need that. And if that's the case, two things would become evident. One is you may not be taking your calling very seriously. You may not be taking the fact that you have called on the name of Jesus Christ, that you are yourself an ambassador for Christ's sake, and you may not be taking that seriously. You may not be out in the field. You may not see the importance of it because you don't see life as a journey for the glory of Christ and an exercise of faith. The last thing you may want is someone in your business because you really don't care about integrity or godliness in your life. You know what? You may not call, you may not see the need and the importance of the battle because, frankly, when it comes to spiritual battles, you have probably already set up the white flag. You have probably already surrendered. And if that's not you, let me ask you a question. If the journey does matter to you, if the field does matter to you, if your integrity does matter to you, and having a battle mate does matter to you, then let me ask you, do you have that person? Yes, husbands, our wives should be that for us. And yes, wives, your husband should be that for you. But Solomon doesn't just say we're only to have two. He started off with one, how miserable that is. Two is better. Three is even better yet. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Proverbs tells us in both chapter 12 and chapter 13 that depending on who we choose as friends plays a tremendous role in the outcome of our life. Are you, do you have that friend? A bunch of them here. And are you that friend? The good news is there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. yes. Jesus promised he would never leave us or forsake us. Yes, he promised to help in times of trouble. He promised to pick up those who are fallen. But do we remember that Jesus still uses people as vessels? Who will you bring into your life? Who will you reach out to to say this journey is tough? These battles are challenging. I need someone to speak truth in my life. I need someone to get in the field and serve with me because it means that much friend we serve the greatest friend of all time jesus christ it doesn't matter what we've done or how many times we've done it his love for us never changes and he stands ready and willing today to start a relationship with you he finished the work all of the necessary elements were met through the finished work of his son jesus christ on the cross Maybe you've rejected him. Maybe you've ignored him. Maybe you've gone everywhere else but Jesus. And today, would this be the day that you would say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And today, I trust you to be my forgiver, my rescuer, and my Lord. 
through what you did on the cross for me. There's your first and most important friend ever.